Hallelujah. Father, we're grateful for your love this morning, for your grace in our lives. Father, we're grateful. We serve you with a grateful heart, Lord, and we thank you for your many blessings, your faithfulness, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We grateful today? We should be. Amen. We'll talk about that in a minute, but B has a word, and uh, I'm not even sure what it is, but we'd like her to share it. <laughs> I wanted to uh, confirm what they were saying during worship this morning. Um, I was telling Ron that uh, I was up last week with a friend of mine up in Colorado, and she's an intercessor and has been as long as I've known her, which is 30 years. And um, she had a stroke while I was there. But before, we were talking before she had the stroke, and the, she said, the word the Lord is telling me is contend, contend. And a uh, week ago Friday, I worked with the youth group, and a week ago Friday, Jason, I don't know where you are, but Jason was up here, and he had a picture, and he was up at the ranch, and one morning he said, oh, look at it. And everyone looked at the picture, and it was a beautiful, sunshiny morning. And then he showed a picture of the next morning, and the snow had come. And he said he felt like the Lord was saying, the season has changed. The season has changed. You need to change your weapons and change your clothes because it's a different season. So I would encourage all of you to really take in what was being shared this morning during worship, that the Lord is saying, this is a different season, and we need to enter into a different kind of warfare for the things that God is putting before us and not get distracted on things that are not important. Thank you, thank you. You know, B is one of the intercessors for the church too and for the world as long as I've known her, which she told me we went to high school together. I was a little fuzzy on that one, but, <laughs> but that's been a lot of years ago. And I know when we came to the church the first time, uh, how many years ago? 36 years ago, B was there serving, praying. So uh, when we hear a word like that, we need to take it to heart, see what God is, is telling us. I was thinking about the word that Josh gave, wherever he is, about, uh, you know, the winter coming. And it is true that, you know, when we look at the trees and different things, everything seems dead and kind of bleak sometimes. And yet there's a lot going on in the roots, and the roots are alive, and just waiting for that moment when the, everything's right, the weather's right, the ground is right, to start uh, bringing life back again. Amen? So don't despise the uh, winter time. Just like B said, the Lord was uh, speaking to them to change, you know, our clothes, get ready, and change how we do things. Amen? So let's see, I want to welcome any visitors today. I know there's a few here this morning. We're glad you're here with us, right, guys? Let's give them a hand. We have a gift for you. Uh, if you stop by the first arch, if you haven't already done so, we're glad you're here. We, our prayer is that you'll find uh, the presence of the Lord and whatever you're looking for. We know people come to church with all kind of reasons and differences, and we know that God can meet each and every one. So we're going to take up our offering and... We also, with that, we'll take up our written prayer request. If you have a bulletin, there's a tab on there. You can um, put your prayer request on, and you can be assured those are prayed for by several different groups every week. Uh, if you want to get email. Thank you, guys. Um, and if you look up thankfulness or gratefulness, just Google it. So many sites come up. So many, and not just Christian. 
all kinds of sites, because research has found, you know, worldly research, how important it is to be grateful, how it changes our life. It shows us that, uh, I want to mention a couple of things here, that grateful people are more optimistic about their future, they have better mental health, suffer from less depression, sleep better, who doesn't want that, stronger relationships, and greater success in life, because they're grateful. A wise man told me just the other day, a better life doesn't create a grateful heart. A grateful heart creates a better life. That's a great thing, isn't it? Your life might be a mess, but if you start being more grateful, not so much for the bad things. If you wake up with the flu, you don't have to thank God for the flu, but you should thank him that you know who can heal the flu, that I have a savior that's a healer. Or uh, in some of my family members' cases, you could think, they, they always think they're going to die when they're sick. Doesn't matter what they have. But they can thank God that they know the Savior, so they're going to heaven when they die. So I tell them it's not all lost. But being grateful each and every moment. And it doesn't come easy for us. It doesn't always come easy for us, does it? Because we have problems and issues in our life, things that come up. And I'm not saying if you have a problem, you know, whatever it is, finance, marriage, relationship, mental, I mean, well, mental health, physical health, definitely talk to somebody. Find a leader in the church or a friend or just anybody, somebody you sit next to, and share with them what you're going through and get prayer. I'm not saying don't say or speak up when you have an issue, but a life of complaint is not a pretty thing. If you complain and are negative all the time and you wonder why you don't have very many friends, because you complain and you're negative all the time. Nobody can be around that all the time, right? It's not a big secret here, big formula. Just start being more grateful, speaking more positive. We all know about the children of Israel, right? Oh, their biggest problem was they started complaining. They left Egypt, slavery. Can you imagine being a slave anywhere but in Egypt, building all that stuff? And Oh, that was a lot of work and a lot of hard times. And yet, when they came out, they came out with everything. They had everything provided. Food, we know all about manna, clothes, shoes, community. They got to bring all their families. And the most important thing was they had God with them 24-7, cloud by day, a pillar at night. God was always with them. And yet, they started complaining. They didn't like the food. I don't know. It was good food. It kept them alive. They didn't have to cook. They didn't have to go to the grocery store. I can't understand why the women were complaining about the food. Started complaining about the clothes. Now, I can, the women are going to have to take this one, those shoes that lasted like 40 years. You got one pair of shoes. And I know women like more shoes, but they wouldn't wear out. I mean, there's the miracle right there. They were, I mean, how many of you had a pair of shoes for 40 years that are still good? How many of you are wearing the same pair for 40 years that are still good? No, that doesn't happen. That's a God thing, right? And then on top of all that, you know, it was just their complaining. They started focusing on what they didn't like instead of remembering what God did do. I always think it's interesting when Moses had, was going to go up on the mountain, like, I'm going to go on the mountain and talk to God now. And they stayed behind and said, oh, while Moses is on the mountain talking to God, why don't we make a golden calf and worship that? Isn't that weird? Moses is gone talking to God. They're busy making a golden calf. I don't want to get too sidetracked on this, but my family knows how I feel about cows. Don't you, hon? I don't like cows. We have some cows. They're dumb. They get in the way of the horses, which is what I do like. And uh, we've kind of started remedying that, selling, but I could never figure out why they wanted to worship these cows. They Anything but God at that point, right? Have we ever done that? We've had so much, and yet we've wanted more, complained about what we've had. I told the ladies yesterday, have you ever wanted something but you, and only to find out you actually had it later on? Lorraine's not here, our good friend and member here. Lorraine, she's gone to Guatemala yesterday. She's teaching the women how to sew and bringing things back to sell for them, supporting them. But she had told us she has a car that she's had for, uh, I think she said it was a 2001 or something, like 17 years. It's a Mercedes, like SUV. It's a nice car. But she said she always uh, wished she had, like, the headlight wipers because she lives out on a dusty, muddy road, and they get dirty. 
And the other day she did something and knocked off this little piece on the front of her car, a plastic cover. And lo and behold, guess what was under there? A pair of windshield wipers for her headlights. <laughs> and she said, I've had them 17 years and never known it. And now she's going to start using it. I think sometimes we're like that. We want something that we already have provided, which is through Jesus Christ. He says he's provided everything we need when we need it. That's what the very name of God means. I am. I am everything you need when you need it. And yet somehow we get in a place where maybe it's not enough in our own mind. Don't we all do that? Is it just me? When uh, Andy was greeting this morning, came in, how are you doing? Guess what I said? I don't like the cold. <laughs> That's a horrible thing. I should have said, great, I'm so glad to be alive today. Isn't God amazing? Turning into winter. We got a new season ahead of us. Instead, I don't like the cold. I'm going to love the cold, Andy, wherever you are. I'm sorry for that. Because he said, I kind of like it. <laughs> So I'm working on being more grateful every day. Cara shared yesterday, I don't think they're here today. One way, let's think of some practical ways that we can be grateful. One of them would be to journal. And all the experts say that, whether Christian or not. You start writing down every day something you're grateful. There's something that happens between your brain and your hand and the paper when you start writing down. That's an easy thing. So I want to encourage all of us. It could be that, you know, the sun came up or that, you know, I'm having a good hair day or it could be that I'm alive in Christ. Anything. Don't overdo it. Don't overthink it. Just, you know, put down what you're grateful for. Start focusing. And the other thing is to speak it out. Don't just think it in your heart always, but talk to God. Uh, Lena shared yesterday about how one of the duties of the priest of the temple were to speak out thankfulness to God for things he'd done every day. Isn't that an amazing thing? It's like, hey, Cassandra, your job is to be thankful every day for the church. So I want you to, every day, get up and say something thankful. What a great job is that? We should all covet that job, that we want to be thankful. It'll change our lives, me, you, all of us, if we start being grateful. This is a great time to start uh, Thanksgiving holiday season and start remembering. Amen? Who's thankful today? We're going to go that way. We're going to change our thought patterns. Come on, guys. We'll go ahead with the offering now. Oh, well, come on. I'm going to read a scripture to you. I'm going to put my glasses on for this one. This is Psalms 103. So many of us know it. It's the great uh, Psalms of gratefulness, thankfulness, blessing the Lord. It says, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise his holy name. My soul, praise the Lord, and do not forget all of his benefits or all of his blessings. He forgives all your sin. It's an amazing thing. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with goodness. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Amen. He revealed his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and rich in faithful love. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our offenses. We're grateful for that, right? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west... So far has <laughs> he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows that we are made, what we are made of, and remembering that we are but dust. Amen. If you just read that every day, Psalms 103, what we're grateful for, the forgiveness of sins, and on and on, that'll be a great start. Father, we are grateful this morning that you are a great and mighty God. We're thankful that you called us into your kingdom to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're thankful and grateful this morning, Lord, that you have given us a Savior. You have given us what that would stand uh, in the gap for our sins, Lord. So thankful, Father, for your forgiveness and your great love. In Jesus' name, amen.
welcome to the light at Mission Viejo. If you are new to our church, please visit our welcome center, where you will receive a gift bag and a mug at the end of service. Volunteers are needed for our coffee bar. We are asking once per month commitment. If you are interested in this ministry, please contact the office and leave a message for Jay and Erica Maestas. Mexico Missions. Mexico Missions is getting ready for a big Christmas fiesta. We have pictures in the foyer of children who would be blessed to get a gift from you this Christmas. Please stop by and pick one up. Gifts will need to be back to the church by December the 2nd. Our Christmas fiesta will be December the 8th. Please let Pat Noble know if you would like to join or leave her a message in the office. We are still seeking more volunteers to help out in the children's ministry. We would like those interested to commit to teaching one Sunday per month. If you are interested in this wonderful ministry, please contact Grace Sebesta here at the church or you can email her at gracesebesta at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for joining us at the Light at Mission Real. We hope you enjoy the service. Nina, you were sharing about gratefulness, and I just want to say that there's one, one person in particular we're very grateful for, and we want to take this moment to honor you. Nina just had a birthday on Friday, and um, I mean, Nina, I mean, she mentioned the wonderful women's fellowship we had yesterday. You know, I think all the good things that happen around here, uh, so much of it is because of her leadership and her guidance. And we just love you, Nina. And we wanted to honor you with these beautiful flowers and a little gift here. Oh, you guys. Yes. We do love you. Amen. There's a scripture in First Thessalonians that says, And now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who worked so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in our obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. And we are here this morning to do that to you. God bless you and we love you. Happy birthday. Well, one of the things I want to say to you is that I so admire you. You come up here, you're so full of love and, and um, you just know the word so well and I long to one day be like you. Yeah. And the other thing I want to say is that she is a wonderful cook. That's another thing I long to one day be like. Thank you for everything that you do for us. You know, I've heard that, you know, servant leadership, and I mean, Nina exemplifies that. I mean, she's here early in the morning, late at night, doing things, getting things ready so that everything will go just right. I mean, and an intercessor, oh my gosh, you know, so many of you, you, you don't know how she prays uh, for the church and for the women, and, and we just love you. God bless you, Nina. Thank you. <laughs> well, I figure, feel it an honor to be part of the church and be called and do. That's why I say any gift I have, anytime God asks me through a person to do it, I'm going to do it. But I got to also tell you, there's a lot of other great ladies born in November, Jane White and Lydia, Ashley, that have all had a birthday this first week. So uh, it's only going to get better. It seems like, like November is a big month. Um, thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you, Nina. Good morning, everybody. Wow, what a powerful service we've had thus far. Um, I learned a lot about myself just in these few minutes with the worship. That I don't know what season it is. I'm in a t-shirt here. I know I don't have any friends. I complain too much. It's all, I mean, everything's for me this morning. But, um, I, but I am grateful. We are grateful to be here and to share something with you. And we do know what time of year it is. It's the time to give. And we have an opportunity where you can give, 
And it's uh, such an awesome opportunity that some of you might know about, some of you may not know about, but it's Operation Christmas Child. Who's heard of that before? This is the 25th year, I believe, so I've read uh, for Operation Christmas Child. And uh, take one of those off for me. So we have an opportunity at the light, here at the light. I'm the representative for Operation Christmas Child. We've done it in the past, uh, but this year we're really going to to knock it out of the park. We are wanting to fill, we, want, we have a goal of 50 boxes between all of us and our friends and our family. So we've got plenty of boxes right here. We have the information sheets that tell you what to do, how to do it. It's very uh, descriptive, very easy. And I just want to read something here. The scripture on the front is, Declare his glory among the nations. Psalm 96.3. And here's a testimony from one of the girls that received a gift in the past. Um, in Malawi, 12-year-old Angela squealed with delight when she opened her shoe box gift. Her parents couldn't afford to buy her school supplies. But in her box, she found pens, pencils, a notebook, and a ruler. The flashlight inside was a real treasure because there was no electricity in their home. But by far, Angela's favorite item was the greatest gift gospel booklet that accompanied her shoebox. When I read the booklet, it proved to me that God is there, Angela said. That encouraged me to start going to church. As I learned about the Bible, I was being transformed. She soon accepted Christ as her Savior and began reading the booklet to her family. Now all ten of them are attending church and have decided to follow Jesus too. Powerful stuff. And in just a couple of seconds, we're going to see a short video of this year's uh, uh, Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child. It's going to blow you away. It's going to make you want to give. And this is a wonderful opportunity to do so. So we have plenty of boxes. Remember, our goal is 50, 50 boxes. So you can see us after service. We have what you need here to fill out, and we have the boxes. So we have the resources. God is good. Thank you for listening. Oh, yeah, very important. The deadline is starting. Uh, collection week is right now, November 12th through the 19th. So it's very important that we get on this, get on it fast. We'll collect the boxes here. And then we'll deliver them to the uh, First uh, Baptist Church. That's where they have the main headquarters for Santa Fe. So um, you could bring them next. Eighteenth, yeah, that would be better. So we can bring them here. Um, my phone number is six nine nine seven four seven two six nine nine seven four seven two. If you want to get a hold of me, need help, or want to deliver it earlier, you want me to pick it up, want us to pick it up, we'll do that for you, so we can make sure we get them there in time. All right, Medina brothers. They're excited, overjoyed, and we can see it on their face. You can see it on their eyes. Some of them are receiving the gifts for the very first time. It's a symbol to know that God knows me and God loves me. Jesus loves you. Before handing out the boxes, we share the gospel with them. Through this shoebox, we want to tell a child that God loves you and He has created you. We've been able to touch the lives of children all over the world to give them a gift and do it in Jesus' name. OSIS is making a difference by bringing this joy, but also giving them the true gift, which is Jesus. It's changing the globe. Volunteers from all walks of life and all ages love packing Operation Christmas Child shoebox gifts. Operation Christmas Child is seriously one of the best things going on in the world right now. Operation Christmas Child is carried on the backs of volunteers. They are incredible people. They just love doing it. It's humbling to know that you're taking part in spreading the Word of God to children that you've never even met. You're showing them the love of Christ. There's going to be a lot of happiness, and I'm glad I'm a part of it. When we pray, God takes your gift, and He begins to navigate it. Your gifts are then given to children around the world, and that's only the beginning. 
after a child receives a shoebox, they are invited to a follow-up discipleship program. The Greatest Journey is a 12-lesson program where the child gets an opportunity to learn more about Jesus. It provides a summary of, of the gospel message in a way that a child will be able to engage and understand. Through The Greatest Journey, children are growing now knowing the Lord. When you give a gift and you give it in Jesus' name, God takes that and multiplies it. Every shoebox is really the beginning of the journey of evangelism and discipleship, and that leads into multiplication. Through a very small thing, God is touching the world. From the shoebox to the greatest journey, this is the Great Commission. A shoebox puts a smile on the face of a kid anywhere in the world. For the rest of their lives, they remember that box. Isn't it incredible to see the impact that these simple gifts are making in the lives of children all over the world? Millions of children are being blessed not only by the items in each box, but by your prayers. So thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. We never have enough boxes. We always need more. So please continue to help and continue to pray. God bless you and thank you. someone who risks their life to defend your freedom? How do you remember the thousands who gave their lives fighting for our independence? Whose blood was spilled in foreign lands? Kids who had their whole lives in front of them. And how do you pay tribute to the soldiers who defend us today? Maybe we start by just saying thanks. Today we celebrate and honor those brave men and women for their service to this great country that we call America. Hello. Okay. All right. Join me in prayer for just a second. God, we want to just say we love you. Father, you've been so good to us, and we just want to thank you for your presence this morning in our worship and the spoken word that, God, that you've been speaking to us. Lord, uh, we just ask that you would just continue to speak to us this morning and lead us and guide us in ways, Father, that are beyond our understanding. We pray, God, that you would just take our lives as, as a free will offering and that you would just use us, God, that you would take us and, and pour us out. Fill us up and pour us out, Father, on a lost and hurting and dying and thirsty world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen, amen, and amen. It's so, so good to see you guys this morning. And um, I've got a word I want to share with you. Um, some of you will remember this saying... And it says that you have got to look out for number one. You guys remember that? Okay. You know who number one is? It's not you. <laughs> you're not, I hate to inform you, but you're not number one. I'm not even sure you're number two. <laughs> but that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about 
you know, first things first. But before I get started, I know I want to just walk you through something really, really quick, okay? Because I know a lot of you like to take notes or like to follow with notes. And we have, not only do we have written sermon notes, but they're online. And I'm going to just show you really quick how to do this. Just go to this next slide right here. That's all you have to do. If you punch in tlmv.org, just do, you can do it right now, okay? I'm not going to yell at you for using your phone. Just, you know, tlmv.org. Okay, and just go to the next slide. When you do that, this is what's going to come up. You're going to see a, a slide like this. You're going to see this on your, on your phone, on your phone app. And then go to the next one. And then if you just kind of scroll down to the lower left-hand corner and click on sermons, the sermon that I'm sharing with you right now is already online. So um, if you want to do that, tlmv.org. And then uh, you'll have sermon notes. You can follow me right along. And I really encourage you to do it because I got a feeling that I've got like eight or nine points on my sermon this morning. I don't think I'm going to get through all of them. So uh, I'm going to get through as many as I can. I just want to give you a little heads up. Daniel Fast, guys, remember Daniel Fast? It wasn't that long ago that we did it. But we're going to start Daniel Fast again in January. So I I want you to just be thinking about all that good stuff you're going to be eating over the next couple of months, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, because we're going to shed it in January, okay? And then we're going to, you know, get our lives right with God. So this morning, let me just tell you what we got. Man, you know, I mean, there's a lot still left to do. We've got, I want to share the word, and then I want to have a prayer time, and then we have communion this morning. You know, we didn't have it last week because uh, uh, we ran out of communion cups, and I guess we have communion cups now, so we're going to have communion this morning. And so I'm going to kind of shorten my sermon a little bit, and uh, then I'm going to have a prayer time, and we're going to talk about first things first. But before I get there, you know, God doesn't mince words, and he doesn't waste words. In fact, Jesus said that every word that I speak to you, I've already heard that word from the Father, and I'm only speaking what the Father tells me to speak. And so he says this about the word. He's talking about the word, and he says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And then you, you guys know this, when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, he said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Isaiah says that the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God will endure forever. The word of God, the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. And then we read in John chapter 1, it says that the word became flesh and was made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So that the spoken word, or the, the, word, the, the, the very word of God, the word that in Genesis says, and God said, and God said, and God said, you know, that every point of creation, light, and, uh, you know, the creation of, uh, of the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, and, you know, all of, the, all, of the, all of the fields and everything that God said, and God said, and God said, and then God began to speak through, you know, his prophets, his word. And then we see in John, it says, and the word, that very word, that same word became flesh. That's why it's important that we see that, that the word of God is true. And so then we see in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says that faith, faith, comes by hearing and hearing of the Word, hearing of the Word of God. This written Word that we read, that we're reading this morning, and then this Word of God that dwelt among us, that He became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His uh, glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so, uh, how many of you guys and, and, and ladies as well, if you if you spend a lot of time off-road or if you spend time, if you, you know, you know, not necessarily off-road, but, you know, have you ever seen that bumper sticker, if you don't like the way I drive, stay off the sidewalk? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, in order to get to the sidewalk, you know, you hit that curb really hard. And when you hit that curb really hard, then the next thing you know, you know, your car's not driving quite right. And, uh, and there's a lot of things that can cause your car not to drive right. In fact, you know, Jason and I, we have this term because out by our house at that, on I-25, there's a bridge there, the Arroyo Hondo Bridge. And if my car is just a little bit out of alignment, when I hit that, there's a certain bump there. And I hit that, and we call it the death wobble. 
I mean, it's like the front, the whole front end feels like it's about to fall out. It's just that incredible shimmy, you know, that, uh, and you have to, you know, you can't speed up, you can't outrun it, so you have to almost come to a stop and, you know, start all over again. And there are a number of things that can cause that, you know, that, that death wobble or that out of alignment on a car, you know. I mean, it can be from anything to a bent rim or to your tires too low or you don't have the right balance or the weights on your tire or your rim. Maybe something got knocked off and something's out of balance or your tie rods or suspension uh, there are a number of things, springs that can wear, wear and tear on your car. A number of things can cause this, you know, your tires to be out of alignment. And I would just tell you that sometimes our lives, our personal lives can be out of alignment. And I want to just walk you through a couple of things, you know, that when our lives get out of alignment, we have to just look and see where, you know, Lord, where we are, what's going on in our life. And so I want to just kind of walk you through this this morning, and then we're going to have a prayer time because if I hit on something you know, where your life may be out of alignment, you know, I want to I be able to pray with you. So the first thing, and, and the title of this message is First Things. Uh, you're not number one. God's number one. But we've got to have first things first in our life. And the Bible uses this word. Sometimes, you know, you'll read through the, the Word of God, and you'll see one word that just constantly keeps coming up. It just keeps coming up over and over again. And this word first keeps coming up. And so in uh, Matthew chapter um, in Matthew chapter six and five and six, we're going to I'm going to spend a lot of time in Matthew, and we'll be bouncing around. But the Bible says that you know seek God first, seek God first, and uh, He says, don't worry and ask yourself, what will we have to eat? Will we have anything to drink? Will we have any clothes to wear? Only people that don't know God are always worrying about such things. Your Father in heaven knows all the things that you need. But more than anything else, put God's work first. Put, here the, here's that word, first. Put God's work first and do what he wants, and then other things will be yours as well. And so one of the things, one of the signs of being out of alignment is you have, you've lost your, your spiritual hunger and thirst. It's kind of like there are other things or other people or other things. There are things or someone, someone Someone or something has got your attention more than God, and you're more focused on something or someone more than God, and they have become an idol. That's become an idol in your life, and God's saying you need to, re- you need to get re- in realignment, realign your life, put God back first, and then let him sort these things out. He'll put these things out uh, back together for you. And so it's a trap for us. It's a trap for you and I when we allow someone or something to be, take the place of God. Let me just give you a great example of that out of the Bible itself, and uh, you guys will be able to relate to this. When we put God first, he's saying, if you put me first in your life, I'll take care of all the other things that you need. I'll take care of your, your food, your clothing, your housing, your vocation. I'll, I'll just take care of your entire life if you can trust me and put me first in your life. And the example that I want to use is King Solomon. It says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. Now, that's a pretty blank check right there. What would you say if God were to say to you, you know, ask me anything and I'll give you. I'll give you whatever you ask. I want you to just think about that for a moment. How do you fill in that blank? What is it that you want? What is it that you need in your life? You know, I mean, a, a couple of weeks ago, there was the $1.6 billion lottery. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And I know a lot of people might want to fill that blank in. Lotto. He says, um, give your servant, therefore, this is what Solomon asked for. When God said, ask for anything, Solomon said, all right, here's what I want. Solomon's getting ready to be his dad. David has died, and uh, Solomon is the new king of Israel. And God is asking him what you want. And he says, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people. Man, I wish we had leaders like that today, politicians like that. The first thing that they would say is, give us minds and hearts to govern people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? This is what Solomon asked for. He asked for wisdom to lead this people. 
And this request, it says, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself to understand and discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word, but behold, I will give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you is been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. And he says, and I will give you also what you have not asked. I will give you riches and honor so that no other king can compare with you all of your days. And so seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Solomon asked. He's seeking the kingdom of God. He's seeking what God wants. And God said, because you didn't ask for these other things, I'm going to give you all the things that you didn't ask for. That is called seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The second thing is, the Bible tells us that we should judge ourselves first. He says, first, remove the beam from your own eye, and then you will clearly see to remove the speck from your brother's eye. First, get the beam out of your own eye. Get, the, get rid of this. You know, it's easy for us to see faults in others. Um, that old poem, some of you may remember this, fault in others I can see, but glory to God, there's none in me. You know. You know, and I mean, how many times do we walk around like that? I mean, it's easy. I mean, you can get, you give people, you know, advice on how to raise their kids, and your kids won't even talk to you. You know, it's like, man, wake up. You know, get that. He's saying get that little, you know, get that beam, get that telephone pole. That's what Jesus said to the disciples. Get that telephone pole out of your eye, you know, before you try to get the speck out of your brother's eye. And the disciple says, Lord, what's a telephone pole? No, that's it. I'm just messing around. All right. So, and then he says in Matthew chapter 5, because, you know, this, these things, by, by doing this, we're talking about, I'm just talking about the full release of blessing in our lives. The full release of blessing. If you are, if you're out of alignment, I mean, you take away any of those things I talk about for that car. I mean, if your tie rod's bent, if your rim's bent, if you don't have the right weight zone, you've got to have everything in alignment for that car to be in balance. And you, in our spiritual lives, you and I have to have everything in alignment for, for the blessings of God to flow in our life. And if we're walking around, pointing the finger, being critical, being judgmental, you know, yelling at people, screaming at people, you know, sitting on our horn in the parking lot, you know, just all of those things, you know, you're, you're, you're choking the blessing of God in your life. Yes, there's blessing of God for everybody. This is what the Word says. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 46, He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, and He sends His rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those that love you, what reward will you get? You see that? The rain is falling on everyone. The, the sun is shining on everyone. But there's only a few of those that are getting that overflow, that just incredible amount of blessing. There's a story in the Old Testament, and I'm going to do a sermon on this one of these days, but it's a story of Obed-Edom. Anybody know that name, Obed-Edom? Well, let me just tell you. I'll give you a little rundown on his life. Obed-Edom, you know, the, David wants to bring the ark. He's got his house built in uh, Jerusalem, and now it's his heart's desire to bring the ark from where it had been up to Jerusalem. And so they're bringing the ark and, you know, making sacrifices, and David's dancing and singing, and everybody's just excited about the ark is coming. And you'll remember it says the oxen stumbled, and the ark of God on this little cart began to slip. And Uzzah reached in to kind of steady the ark, and when he did, God, God just smote him. I mean, it just killed him just right there on the spot. And it says that David was mad for First of all, he was mad, of God, mad, mad at God, and then he was afraid. He was afraid of what, you know, God was going to do, and so he just parked the ark. He just said, man, we're not moving this any further until we figure out what's going on. And so he took the ark uh, and placed it in the house of a man called Obed-Edom. And, um, you know, David, uh, just a quick 
you know, just history on this, David realized, he went and talked to the priests, and they realized that, you know, number one, you know, that you don't move the ark, you know, on a cart. That's the way the Philistines sent it back, you know, uh, under uh, when Samuel was there and, uh, and, and Saul was uh, uh, the king, and that's the way the, the Philistines sent the ark back on uh, a cart with oxen pulling it. And David just kind of picked that up. It's just like they didn't know how to move it. He consulted with the priest, and they said, no, the priests are the ones that are supposed to carry the ark, and nobody else is supposed to touch it. And so David kind of is figuring this out. And But while he's figuring, out, figuring it out, the word comes to David that the household of Obed-Edom is incredibly blessed. I mean, it's just like, I mean, they're blowing it out. And, and everybody in the, in the countryside knows that Obed-Edom is blessed because the ark of God, the presence of God, is at his house. And, you know, I want to just tell you guys that that's what you and I need. We need the presence of God. You know, the, when you have the presence of God, you got the blessing of God. You got the provision of God. You got the protection of God. You got the prosperity of God. All of these things, you know, all the provisions of God are there when you've got God. And that's what Obed-Edom had. He had it. He had it. And he had it all in the nation of Israel. It's like, man, what is going on? Look at this guy's house. How come God's blessing him so much? And they realize it's the presence of God. God is in his house. And I'm going to tell you that if you want to experience those kind of things, you get the presence of God in your house. You're going to be blessed where the neighborhood is talking about your house as well. All right. So let me just move on. The, the, the next first thing is uh, the restoration of rela- relationships. You've got to re- restore relationships first. He says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, he says that if you're offering your gift at the altar, and then you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. And first, and first, here we go again, and first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So, you know, I know some of you are saying, okay, so that means I don't have to tithe, right? So I just leave it there until we get this thing worked out. But that's not what he said. He said, leave your gift at the altar, you leave the money there, okay? And then you just go out and you just get right with your brother and then you come back and then God's blessing is going to be on the offering. That's when he's going to bless the offering. First of all, you know, leave the offering, then go be and made right with your brother. And then, number four, he says, love God first. Love God first. Getting your heart right. Getting your heart right with God. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. And he said, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first, this is the great and first commandment. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, I'm going to just focus on this for just a little bit, guys, because, you know, we know this. We know this commandment, love God first and love your neighbor, but there's a third part in that, and I think this is where you and I mess up, okay? Sometimes. He says, love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And see, I want to just tell you that the enemy has a way of beating you up, that you're not good enough, that you're not smart enough, you're too fat, you're too ugly, you're too skinny, you're too this, you're too poor, you don't have the opportunity. And the enemy is just constantly feeding you these negative thoughts, and you're just listening to it. You're just eating this stuff up. you got to let this go. you got to let it go because this stuff will destroy you because that is not how God sees you. God sees you as one that he loves, one that he died for, one that he bled for, one that he was beaten for, one who he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Not doom and gloom, not bleak, not darkness, not madness, not craziness, but goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. I want to, you guys got another video there for me? You got the monkey video? All right, let's show it. I, I got to wrap this up, but I'm gonna sh- I want you to see this real quick. Used by hunters to catch monkeys. What they do is they take a coconut, they cut a hole inside the coconut, empty it out. They make the hole just big enough so that the open hand of the monkey can fit in the hole, but the fist cannot. They put some kind of bait, 
like fruit inside the coconut to lure the monkey in. They tie the coconut to a tree and then they wait. What they found is that monkeys are greedy. The monkey sticks his little hand inside the coconut to try to pull the fruit out, but can't get it out. And when the hunter approaches, they try even harder to try to pull the fruit out, but they can't do it. And then the monkey gets captured. All that monkey had to do was open his hand, let go of the fruit, and it would have been free. But his greed blinds him. His attachment to the prize is so strong that he sacrifices his life for it. Tch, silly monkeys, right? Mm, maybe not. What is your coconut? What are you holding on to that is trapping you? And if you could just let go, you would be free. Could it be money? Could it be your ideas about happiness that you're holding tightly to? And if only you just let go, then you could truly experience happiness. Could it be your anger? If you forgave that person and let go of your judgment, then you could be free. Or maybe you have an idea in your mind of what your perfect partner looks, acts, and smells like, and that is trapping you. And if you could just let go of the idea, then you would be free to see what might be right under your nose. No matter what the attachment is, isn't it time to let go? Do not sacrifice your happiness, your peace, your life for man's version of a coconut, unless you just like being a monkey. Peace. All right. Now. That was good. Anyway, you know, I feel like God's saying that, you know, that for, in order for us to be in complete alignment, you know, you're going to have to let some things go. There's, you're going to have to let some, you're going to have to have this realignment in your life. And you're going to have to let some things go. Let me just quickly walk you through the rest of these and then I want to, um, I want our prayer ministers, if you guys will come up, prayer ministers will come up and uh, bring some oil with you, and we want to pray, but while they're coming up, the Bible says that you've got to bind, you've got to take spiritual authority. I think that's what Joni was talking about this morning. You know, there's a battle out there. You've got to take spiritual authority, and you've got to bind the strong man, the, the, the one that's trying to come. You know, the Bible says that Satan is a thief, that he's come to rob and steal and kill and destroy. And if you don't take spiritual authority in your life, if you don't take the spiritual authority, then you will be overcome and overrun. It says, uh, this is from Mark chapter 3, it says, but no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man then indeed he may plunder his house. Now, there's another translation that says this, same verse. It says, who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. And that someone is Jesus Christ. Jesus has given us the authority. The Bible tells us, that in Luke chapter 10, I've given you power to trample on snakes and scorpions and to defeat all of the power of the enemy, Satan. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 31, it says that the thief who gets caught must pay back seven times what was stolen and lose everything. Some of you have lost. You've lost time, you've lost health, you've lost businesses, you've lost relationships, and God's saying that he will order the thief to restore what, you, what has been lost, what has been taken from you. God will command the enemy to repay and to restore. Matthew chapter 11 says, from the time of John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it forcefully advancing. And that's what you and I have to do. We have to forcefully. You can't just sit idly by and let the enemy invade your territory. That's why some kings were very passive in the Old Testament, and they allowed these neighboring uh, kings and, and uh, kingdoms to come in and take the land of Israel. And then God would raise up another king, a godly king, and say, no, we're taking that back. We're going to get that land back. We're going to get these cities and these villages back. And so God was on the move. And I'm going to tell you that I believe that God is saying, 
saying, if he's trying to stir something up in you that something has been lost, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's your relationship with God, maybe you've allowed the enemy Satan to come into your life, and with sin and with temptation, he's taken some ground, and God's saying, you know what, it's time to get that ground back. I want to restore that, and I want to give you even greater ground. I want you to have a better relationship with me today than you had yesterday or last week or last year. God's saying, it's time for us to grow. It's time to go on. It's a changing of the seasons, and it's a time where you don't stand still. You don't idly watch the enemy come in, invade your land, invade your house, invade the lives of your children or your marriage or your relationships or your work or your businesses or your finances. It's time to say, enough. That's what God told the children of Israel. After 40 years of wandering in the desert, there came a day when God even said beforehand, you're going to wander in this desert for 40 years. And when that 40-year period came, the children of Israel still going around. Man, that rock looks familiar. That old tree looks like it's got some more rings on it. Yeah, yeah, man, it's, you know, Roy is a little bit deeper. We've been looking at it for 40 years. And one day God says, enough, enough, enough. You've been doing this for 40 years, and God said, enough. It's time to turn north and go a different direction. That's what God's saying to some of you today. Enough. You've been in this place long enough. It's time to go on. It's time to get to a, a new place in your life. So, guys, just quickly, and I keep saying quickly, but, uh, you know, you got to start with the inside first. That's talking about looking at your heart. The Pharisees washed the outside of the cup. They didn't wash the inside. God saying, start on the inside, start in your heart. The next thing is that, you know, the alignment of the first day of the week. Uh, this is important. It's, you know, you can't just pop into church when you want to, when you feel like it. You're setting a bad example for your kids. When you, you think, well, I'll just go get breakfast this morning. You guys can go to church. You know what you're teaching your kids? You're teaching your kids that church isn't important. The alignment of the first day of the week. The first day of the week is important. Let me just give you a great example of that. And that's when Jesus appeared to the disciples on the first day of the week. In the first day of the week, revelation happens. In the first day of the week, God begins to speak. And Jesus appeared to the disciples, and he blew on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and guess who wasn't there one of the disciples wasn't there he missed it he missed the revelation he missed seeing Jesus the Bible says that one can put a thousand to flight but two can put ten thousand to flight you know when you come to church it's not just so you can sing a couple of songs and listen to a message the Spirit of God is imparting things he's imparting revelation ideas and thoughts I told you that one of my largest today one of my largest real estate transactions happened as a result of being in church on a Sunday morning and someone came up to me and gave me an idea about what I could do to sell a piece of property and sure enough that week it set things in motion as a result of being in church on Sunday morning some might say well I got to be out there I got to make some money on Sunday morning I'm telling you what I made more money that Sunday morning than I ever made in my life on any other transaction any other real estate transaction because God showed up and then the alignment of first fruits offering first fruits the Lord tells us to honor the Lord with our wealth and whatever we have first, the best part of our income. And then he says, then your barns will be full and your vats will overflow with new wine. The Bible says that the tithe belongs to the Lord. Now, Merle and I, we had breakfast yesterday. And, um, you know, he drives a nice truck. But, you know, if he were to say, Ron, I, if I were to go to him and say, Ron, I, or Merle, I need to borrow your truck for a week. I'm having trouble with my, my Ford. And he's driving a Dodge, and I am have trouble with my Ford. And Merle would have loaned me his Dodge for a week, and I were to drive it. And at the end of the week, I say, Merle, I just I want to tell you something, man. I really appreciate you, love you, man. You've been so nice to me. You've been kind to me, and I got these keys right here. And I'm going to give you this truck. I'm going to give you this Dodge truck. And Merle will look at me like. You idiot, that's my truck. I own that truck. That's my truck. I let you use it. I let you use it, and now you're going to say you're going to give it back to me. I'm going to tell you that's what the tithe is. The tenth belongs to God. It belongs to God. When we get all of these things in alignment, guys, when seeking God first, putting Him first, being right with our neighbors, loving God first, 
honoring God first. When you like like that automobile, I mean, you some of you are going down the road just wobbling like this. God's saying, you get in alignment, you get your life in alignment, and you're going to see the outpouring of blessing in your life. And that's what God wants to do for you right now. So, what I want to do before we take communion, I want to pray for you. Some I, I know I hit on some point for somebody, and so I want you to go to one of our prayer ministers right here, and we're going to pray. We want to pray for you. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to anoint you with oil. I think we have oil up here. We don't have any here on the stage. But if we have some oil, uh, we're going to anoint you with oil. And you just go up and just say, look, you know, I mean, I, I feel like this is what I need to pray about. I'm out of alignment somewhere, and I want to get back in alignment, full alignment with God. And I want that outpouring of God's blessing in my life. I, that's what I want. That's what I'm looking for, okay? So I'm going to ask you, come on up. Come on up. And I want, we want to pray with you. We're going to pray with you. And then we're going, to, you know, we're going to take about five minutes. So, you know, I want you to go quickly. All right? And then we're going to turn right around. And this is getting our, our lives right before we even have communion, okay? So I'll give you a heads up when we're getting close to that five-minute mark. And then, um, and then we're going to, you know, go back to our seats. And then we'll come back up and, and have communion, okay? So come on up. Come on up.